Ephesians chapter 5, uh, I want to continue on the home and marriage. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And uh, uh, testing, one, two, test, test, test. Test, got a bit of a ring. Testing, testing. Uh, so um, uh, I've spent a number of weeks on husband. It's getting worse. Love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And so it's getting worse. It's not better, it's worse. That means you're doing something wrong. When it doesn't get better and gets worse, it's common sense, something's not right. It's getting wronger and wronger, and <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. That's better. So um, uh, I ministered a number of weeks on husbands that love your wives and how he loves, he loves his wife. No man yet hated his own body. Talked a lot about uh, love. I'm not going to rehash all of that because I'm going to cover some other stuff this morning. And um, uh, when a husband, how he treats his wife, is a reflection of what he thinks about himself. That's what Jesus said. When you love your wife, you're loving her out of how you're relating and how you view yourself. Every wife beater I've ever known or had to counsel uh, hated himself. He was bitter at his past and uh, etc. And so, but the real issue uh, the whole issue of marriage, and l let me read this here, 22 and uh, Ephesians 5. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own, own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. And I might add in here, he talks about, I think it's three to one in the scripture, about uh, husband ought to love your wife uh, compared to the wife submitting. Husbands, love your wives uh, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. He might pre present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. And I talked about uh, when you love your wife properly, scars, wounds, blemishes that she's brought in to the marriage with her, you're able to heal that. So that's no longer affects her, that no longer uh, impacts her. Just like you with Christ. You got saved, Jesus loves you. You come into the church, you've got a lot of issues, and because he loves you, those things are, are able to be healed and delivered from. Okay. <clears throat> Then he goes on, so ought husbands to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one yet, ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherished. I talked about those two words in the Greek, just as the Lord does the church. We are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two uh, shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself that the wife see that she reverence or respects her husband. 
So the key to uh, leaving and cleaving, this is what marriage is all about. It's leaving uh, past relationships that once maybe were very, very important to you. Now they, they're not the priority. They're no longer number one. And it, it may be parents. It's not you don't love them, but you don't love them like you love your wife or your husband. Uh, it may be old friends. It, it may be siblings. There's a lot of dynamics there. Uh, but the whole idea of marriage is to become one, oneness. And this cannot happen without openness. You have to open up. You have to get to know each other. And uh, I, I mentioned just about every week, it's interesting that our grandparents, or some of you, maybe your great-grandparents, during the Depression, they had no money. Times were very hard, very difficult. I remember uh, my grandfather talking about it, my father talking about it. Uh, very, very difficult. They had no money, so they didn't go on dates. Uh, they didn't have uh, these elaborate vacations or elaborate honeymoons. No Disneyland, uh, no PlayStations, no video, no TV, no appliances, all of the things, no eating, all the things that many people think if I just had that, my marriage would be better. It'd be fantastic. It'd be. But they did much better with marriage than this generation because they had the real issues. One is they had commitment and they had communication. And uh, I may somewhere during this talk about vows. Uh, uh, but this leaving and cleaving, they spent time together. I encourage every couple, you must have time together. Uh, you, you get so busy. Uh, let me work through a few things first. You must have time together. But cleaving cannot happen without openness. Marriage, you can't really see who you're marrying. You really, up to the marriage, and you have no clue. Who you're going home with. Or you may see their makeup. You may see their hairstyle. You may see the clothes they're wearing. Uh, you may see their physical appearance. Uh, uh, you know their name. But you're going to spend the next 10, 20, 30, I've been married 50 years, uh, learning who they really are. Okay? So intimacy when you love me, remember I've been talking about husband love your wife, the word intimacy, to become close, affectionate. It's uh, to have deep understanding. This quality of we're familiar, we're comfortable. Someone you can trust with your secrets. You're open. Companion, the Bible uses these terms, helpmate. Uh, and so... Uh, Intimacy is when you love me and I don't have to constantly be on guard. I don't have to constantly be on pins and needles and eggshells on how I speak and act. I'm not worried you're going to manipulate me or control me or take advantage. I trust you. You're not going to hurt, you're not going to take advantage of if I'm real. You won't intentionally hurt me. 
That sets me free to be myself. That's freedom. That sets you free to be yourself in your marriage. Connie and I laugh more and more. We'll start to say the same thing at the same time, and it may not even be anywhere near the subject. We're, we're starting to look alike. We've been married so long. But anyway, uh, but, but without that freedom, listen to me, without that freedom in marriage, we become actors. We're always performing for our spouse. We're always on stage, and that becomes very tiring, very weary. And when you get so sick of performing and acting and walking on eggshells, you begin to look for a way, to, way out. I want to be free from here. Because I want to be who I am. I'm tired of acting. Okay? So uh, we're talking about intimacy in marriage. We're talking about this powerful dynamic of leaving and cleaving. So let's look at some problems. Most girls are raised almost from the womb preparing for marriage. They play house. They play with dolls. Today they want these dolls that wet on themselves and all kind of stuff, you know, and throw up. I don't know what all the latest thing is. She wears mommy's shoes. <clears throat> I remember you've heard me. I remember the twins. They were women. They, they just little here. You know, it's my grandchildren, if you're a visitor. They're here. They're on the East Coast now. And the wedding. I can't remember which one of the girls getting one. I mean, they were in, I mean, every detail of that wedding was locked uh, uh, three-dimensional in their mind forever. I mean, the color of the dresses, uh, the bridesmaid, Papa, what's going to happen next? Is he going to kiss her? Or what kind of, re I mean, they're, they're just flooding me with these questions. Colin could care less. And he was in it. He's standing over there in line, you know, he's, <laughs> and so one of the problems I remember as a little boy I had uh, the, uh, these neighbors they were all girls I can't remember how many they were there were eight or ten of them you've heard me talk about Judy when I broke my arm trying to administer some justice in life but uh, that's an old sermon but they always when I was a little boy they'd want to get me up at their house and they wanted me to play house I wanted to run through the fields, shoot things. I wanted to climb trees, stink, and never take a bath. I mean, we're talking two different worlds. They're practicing for marriage. The granny's back there. We, we, we got some got a little stove for the, all, the, all the granddaughters we've had. A little stove. There's a little playhouse. There's a little chair. I mean, and them, them girls, immediately, I have it put away, out it comes. And the next thing you know, man, uh, they're playing marriage. Dishes, they got little dishes. They, they Papa, they want to they uh, serve tea to me and Connie. You know, they got these little play cups, and here they come. They're practicing almost as soon as they can walk for marriage. They read books that are romantic. Amen. They read these books uh, 
about love. And, you know, there's waterfalls in the background and roses coming out of heaven. Uh, and these wonderful sounds and images and lilacs. And, uh, and, and they read these books that will make you cry. And they listen to songs. I'm going to date myself. 1966, Percy Sledge. Would you pray this, play this song? See who can identify. Come here, baby. Come here. Oh. shut it off and he said she's single she said that's enough 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 <laughs> and with <laughs> and the those songs create visions of marriage she carries that That's the kind of man I want to marry. And she has these dreams and these expectations. We didn't play house. I can't ever remember reading romantic books. My teacher at school never gave me an assignment to read a romantic book. We like to read books about guns and war and baseball and conquering. Again, you women have been practicing your whole life for a role. And I can remember my dad telling me, son, you don't play house. And then I grow up, say I do, and they expect me to play. <laughs> now the marriage. We, we have a number of marriages here. Going to have another one uh, next Sunday, I believe. And uh, I need the brochure, too. I need the uh, wedding invitation. Uh, you're into it now. You're, 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 you're the man. He stumbles up here. He struggles to even say the vows. Your mama's watching you. Your grandmother's watching you. All your sisters. She's here. Her whole female gender, they're into it. He has no clue what he's saying. He didn't have a clue what he's doing or where he's going. You're thinking, you know that other old song, You Are So Beautiful to Me. And that's all in your mind as a female. He's thinking, she's mine. Sanctified, Holy Ghost covenant, vows have been said, she's mine whenever I want her. And I'll let you fill in the rest of the story. He's got something totally different on his mind. 
normally. SCX, anytime I want it. She's thinking, we're going to ride off into the sunset. <laughs> Stars falling from the sky. You're rehearsing that song again, When a Man Loves a Woman. Now you're married for a while. And she looks at him, and she begins to say, he needs straightened out. If I'm going to make him the man that I've imagined him to be, preacher, help me straighten him out. Can I say something to you ladies? That man in your imagination doesn't exist. He's not real. He, he's, he's in the movies somewhere. But he's not real. He doesn't exist. Trust me. God never meant him to be the man you imagined. You're praying. You're fasting. You're absolutely sure God's on your side. But can I tell you something? God made him the man to be that he imagined. And I'm not saying we, we all need some changing. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We've already been into that in this session. But what you imagine came from books you read, movies you saw, songs you heard. Your head is filled with these expectations now in marriage that are not being met. You're living with him 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And you're disappointed because you can't find this man you've imagined. Because he doesn't exist. And so you know what a lot of women do right here? You keep trying on a new man like trying on new clothes that never fit. How many go from, they go from male to male, trying to find this man that doesn't exist. And you get burnt out, discouraged, frustrated, disappointed. Men also have these delusions. Play song number two. <clears throat> Whitney Houston. If I should stay, I would only be in your way. You've seen the bodyguard too many times. So I go. But I know I'll think of you every step of the way. Tragic, she was raised in church here. Learned to sing like that in church. Died horrible. And I
what a man does many times, uh, he creates this monster. He's got Whitney's voice, Angelina's intellect, Sally's legs, and Mary's you know what, and it goes on and on and on and on. In his mind. And she's a monster because she's not real. And so now he's been married a while. He's angry. He's still dreaming of some woman he dated, perhaps. And maybe it's that he's married to the same woman that he dreamed. But now she's working. Now she has a couple of kids, maybe more. So he's there. She's fixing her hair. She's wanting to talk about the children. Or maybe she's working. She's talking about people at work that have really upset her. He's not listening anymore. In his mind, where's all the romance gone? Where's that girl I dated? And he feels robbed. She was always there for me when we were dating. Seemed like she always thought about me when we were dating. She always had time for me when we were dating. She always listened to me when we were dating. But you see, the problem, sir, you only was with her in these small increments of time. She had nothing else to do but to get ready for that little increment of time. Maybe you saw her on Wednesday, maybe extreme on Saturday, and, and he went home at 10 o'clock. 11 o'clock and you went back but now he doesn't go home you're married and she doesn't have these small increments of time where she's polished and prepared and she's manufactured this image all the time she's away from you for the moment she's with you and so now you're married and you're seeing her 24-7, and you're wondering, what happened to her? Before it was just these little vacuums, these few hours, and she looked so good. Also, you saw what you wanted to see. You heard what you wanted to hear. And you're saying, what happened to her? What happened to her? What's happened is, uh, is reality. What's happening, and I mentioned in one of the sessions, it's amazing sometimes how handsome he can be at the wedding and how horrible he can look in the morning. And that goes for both. Now you're getting the whole package Remember what I said about, about loving women. You have to love them in all the seasons of life. And they can go spring, summer, fall, winter in an hour. <laughs> and you've got to be ready for that. And so what's happened to her? And so the problem in all of this many times she won't admit she's still looking and trying to find her daddy that she really didn't know. She saw him one day out of 20. 
And he won't admit, as I said already, he's looking for Sally's legs, Mary's hair, on the man's body. And so love, this love, this, this, this intimacy, if you will, for each other. Husband, love your wife. This leaving and cleaving, this coming together as, as one person. Bible says in Genesis, they became one flesh. Jesus said, let no man put asunder what God has joined together. And so now something happens if you're not careful. You see, somewhere you have to step out of your fantasies into reality. We've, we've all sinned. We're all, we've all, we're all flawed. That's the reality. That's the truth. We've all got assets and deficits. We've all got pluses and minuses. That's the nature of the fall of sin. That's the nature of humanity. And somewhere as a Christian, this is why it staggers me when they give these statistics that there's as much divorce in the church as in the world. That, that blows my mind. How is that possible when there's forgiveness, when there's all the fruits of the Spirit? Th those are not designed when everything's perfect. Th those are not designed when, when everybody's hitting hot licks, so to speak. Those are not designed. Those are designed through the struggles and the difficulties and, and the misunderstandings and the conflicts and, and she brings her past and you bring your past and you, you bring all of that into That's what it's designed for. That's what love's designed for. We're, we're going to get later to submission and respect. But here is the problem. It's now time's passing. I got one more song for you this morning. I'm in a song mode. Uh, 1965, Righteous Brothers. You never close your eyes anymore when it hurts on your lips. Can you understand it? There's no tenderness, no tenderness. like grief holds in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it. But baby, baby, I know it. You lost that love. Somewhere, if you're not very fortunate, the feelings. See, love is not a feeling alone. Love is a commitment. Jesus said, husbands, love your wives. He didn't say when you felt like it. There'll be times you don't feel like it. But somewhere in this, this coming together, this intimacy, this openness, uh, those thoughts are going to come. That's why those songs were so popular.
And I, I know I'm dating myself with those songs. Most of them. Because that's all of a sudden. I, I, I counsel people. And I have to admit it frustrates me. That I don't love him anymore. I don't love what what do you mean? I'm not happy. What 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 does that mean? I mean, what does that mean? You you didn't get a piece of chewing gum or something? I mean, what do you mean you're not happy? The Bible never talks about happiness much. Very little. It talks about the joy of the Lord. I don't love him. So 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 what does that mean? You can just remember he's talking about like Christ loved the church. Have you ever did things that Christ, what if he had said, man, I don't feel like loving you. Look at you. <laughs> See, somewhere you have to move beyond Dr. Phil and all the other pop psychologists that are on the landscape today. And you have to bring your marriage into the reality of this book. And it can be wonderful. Seeing Connie come running down the aisle. See, we're, we're having flashbacks there. Uh, 1960s flashback. Uh, it can be wonderful. But you're going to have to come by this book. You're going to have to say, you know what, God, I, I want. Yeah, and you, you know what? Can I vent some frustration on you this morning? You know what's frustrating to me? Some of the people that desperately needed to hear what I just said this morning, they're not here. But they'll end up in my office. Why, don't, why aren't they here so they don't have to end up in my office? And many times by the time they get to my office, as I, I mentioned, uh, the house is burning down. And they're not wanting me to put out the fire. They're wanting me to, to, to point out and, and name who the arsonist is. They want me to put the finger on him, and he's wanting me to put the finger on her. Because, listen, the time to, listen, a lot of young married couples, some older, but the time is now. The time is now. Don't wait till it's a nightmare. The time is now. And each of you have the responsibility to intimacy. I can trust you with my heart. I can, oh, you may hurt me, but it's not intentional. I can trust you with my life. I can be open. And as you're open, you cleave. If you're not open, you put up walls. Oh, you may live in the same house. You may sleep in the same bed. I'm thinking about doing one, the other person in the bed. You know who that is? Your cell phone. Or your laptop. Shame on you. I'm thinking about doing one totally on that. Take, him, take, take another person to bed with you. Then you're, you're the, 
I can feel it already. Amen. I might ought to preach it. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but you can't have these walls and barriers. And when you hurt one another, that's what you do. But you can't cleave. Husband, love your wives. And then uh, we've raised kids, and the confusions is massive. Today, and, and I don't listen to songs today or anything, but I've, I've read a few lyrics. There's no romance. There's no courtship. There's no dating. They just jump to sex in their songs. I mean, at least these songs, you know. You are so beautiful to me. When a man loves a woman. I mean, at least there's some kind of, this is from, they're all from the world there. But, but at least, and that's what you, at least there was some kind of mentality of this courtship and dating. And, and uh, from some of the lyrics, I, and sometimes I'm in the airport and stuff, and I'll look up and, and they got somebody on there. <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's all just sex. Jump, no wonder there's this massive problem with young people uh, concerning uh, sexually transmitted diseases. <clears throat> Ladies, can I say something to you? I was on the men pretty hard for a few weeks. Stop being taught about marriage from women who have had nothing but bad marriages or no marriages. No marriage. They're trying to teach you about relationships, and they've never had one that's even on planet Earth. They're trying to talk to you, and they've never been anything but unhappy and bitter. And they're going to teach you, and you're going to listen to them about marriage? Men, don't let these fleshy, hairy-legged men, some sports guy or something, somebody you know, maybe you admire him, he has skills or something, don't let him fill your ear about how to have a relationship with the opposite sex. Don't let somebody, that's what drives me nuts about these Hollywood people get on these talk shows and wants to tell the rest of the world about how to have a marriage, and they've had seven. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they, they're the, come on, come on, come on, come on. You want to know how to have a marriage? Want to know how to have a marriage? It'll work in every generation. It'll work for you. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter your economic status. Doesn't, doesn't matter what part of planet Earth you were born on. It will work. But somewhere you have to say, this is my blueprint. This, this is my pattern. Not, and, 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 I, it may have been your mother. 
It may have been your father. I don't care. If, they are, if their example is a living Frankenstein from hell, don't let them try to build your house. Listen to sermons. Listen to this class. Listen to this book. Listen to someone who has some credentials about marriage and life and, and, and living for God and, and some peace and joy. And, and I know people can change and get saved and et cetera, and, I, and I'm not saying that. Okay, we got uh, four or five minutes, but, but that's the problem in essence. You come in late. Girls are practicing from the time they can walk for marriage. They love to play house and dogs and all the whole little weddings and all kinds of things. Boys are not. Women bring in all of this, the, the, the romance, the novels, the movies, the, the mindset. and the, it's, it's in them. And boys don't. And now you're living together. Okay, we got time. George, you had a statement you wanted to make earlier. We live in a disposable society. Um, your parents' generation, my parents' generation. My dad had a tinker drawer. I know it sounds crazy, but it had stuff that he saved. You know, my mom sometimes would get crazy by it. But what it was, there were things in there that he knew might help fix something that could break. And he always knew where to go to look to find the things to fix it. And his commitment was to fix it. But today, everything's disposable. You don't fix anything. That's part of the vow and the commitment. The commitment is that I'm going to fix this. Whatever the cost is, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to repair this because this is something I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with, I'm familiar with, that has been a blessing and will continue to be a blessing. But we're, we're too quick to dispose of what should be repaired. Right. And so uh, have you seen the movie The Vow? Have you read the book, anybody? Maybe I'll show it to Sunday school. It's a true story. Uh, this guy and his wife were married uh, for some time, and they had a car accident, and she lost her memory. She lost her short-term memory. She could never remember this man. I mean, they had pictures, wedding pictures and everything. She could not remember him. And the whole thrust of the story, they were Christians, is she made up her mind. I made a vow. I mean, she had no history with this guy. It's like one day, I mean, she come out of the, the accident and the coma and everything, and here he is, and you don't know who, you have no history with him, but pictures, some video. But she said these incredible words, and, 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 he, and he's loving, and I mean, you can, can you imagine? But she said, I made a vow to love him. I made a vow before God, before him, before people. I made a vow, and she chose to love him. It's a, it's a great story. It was a few years ago, and there was, it was a book. Okay, maybe I'll show it. But, 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 but that goes along with what George is saying. Is we live in an hour where we, uh, we've lost the revelation of marriage. 
the sacredness of marriage, the holiness of marriage. And that, to me, is a major problem in America. That I mean, if you, you want to do the stats and get away from all the, I mean, just look at illegitimacy. Want to look at prisons? Look at illegitimacy. Want to look at crime? Look at illegitimacy. No fathers, no fathers, no fathers, no fathers, no marriage, no, no fathers, no family, no home. And Anyway, praise the Lord. God love you. Amen. I'll sing for you next week.